Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake and Gabby Urrutia are here. We are here to discuss uh, some of the latest that's going on, kind of set the table to for, uh, you know, recruiting is going to open back up in March, which means prospects can visit UM again. And uh, we're going to set the table for that revolving door in terms of the names we know at this point. Um, I think I think the vision this week, Gabby, we're just going to try to do a relatively quick podcast here today. And then I think with spring football beginning one week from today, as we record here on Monday, February 28th, um, I think we'll do a quick like offensive thoughts preview podcast uh, for spring football on Wednesday. And then Friday, we'll have one for defense, kind of set the table for some off-season football. But let's dive into this podcast first. And let's start with a new transfer edition. Uh, Miami landed last week, uh, West Virginia corner, Daryl Porter Jr., who is a local guy, played at American Heritage Plantation, um, was a starter for West Virginia as an outside corner. He's a guy who's 5'10", 185 pounds, uh, finished last year with 46 tackles, one interception, one tackles for loss, played quite a bit, played 716 defensive snaps. I believe, too, he's a third-year sophomore, if I have that right. It's hard to I think with the free COVID year eligibility, I think he's a third year sophomore. So has some more years of eligibility remaining. Um, You went out and saw him work out Gabby. I think the day after he announced his decision on social media, what, what was your first impression of him, you know, watching him go through, you know, some workouts, some drill work uh, as was it at American heritage? Yeah, it, it was at American Heritage. Pretty cool, um, you know, casually, just a couple NFL guys there. Uh, Brian Burns, like Pro Bowl defensive end, was just kind of hanging out. Khalil Herbert, a running back who was pretty big time in the ACC a few years ago for Virginia Tech. But anyways, yeah, no, um, I thought he, you know, he, he definitely moved around pretty well. You know, there's this is a guy that's definitely played a lot of football. We were talking about David, played 700 snaps um, in the Big 12 at West Virginia. 
watching him move around. Um, not sure if he's, you know, uh, an immediate, you know, plug and play starter type. I'm not saying he's going to be anything like that, um, but could be a guy. I think he provides, you know, depth. I think he moves around pretty well, you know, just kind of talking to some people at Miami, you know, kind of exchanging some clips with him, with them uh, on his workouts and stuff like that. It seems like, you know, they think that he moved around pretty smooth and, yeah. um, you know, that he could be one of those guys. I, I feel like to Corey Couch is a similar player comparison in terms of just what's on Miami's roster now. Um, potentially a little bit bigger than um, uh, to Corey Couch. Thicker. That's kind of, yeah, thicker than to Corey Couch. That's sort of the feedback that I got um, from Dar- from, you know, on just watching Daryl Porter. So, I mean, imagine we're going to need guys that are going to be able to tackle on the boundary, ta- uh, tackle, yeah. you know, all over the field. So, you know, that was obviously a problem big time uh, in 2021. So, you know, maybe Daryl Porter comes in and, you know, has a chance to, you know, carve out a role for himself. Again, I don't know if I definitely see him being like, like you know, CB2 out next to Tyreek Stevenson. But I think he's a guy that you could see play, you know, relatively often, you know, over the course of a game for Miami. Yeah, so you mentioned tackling, right? And anytime. You have a guy that's 5'10-ish. Um, that's always going to be a, a yeah. concern, right? How yeah, They're going to they're they're attack him. And we saw them do right. it to Corey Couch last year. Right. They're going to design their run schemes to that side of the field to test them, right? Um, and Daryl, I mean, you know, is he an excellent tackler? No, but he's pretty solid. Uh, again, played 700 snaps last year. He was credited with missing nine tackles on the year his missed tackle percentage was about 16.4 percent so what do those numbers mean right you you compare him to Takori couch from a body type perspective right um Takori played 459 snaps missed 14 tackles had a missed tackle percentage of 30 percent which is astronomically high i think anything over 20 is not good um Tyreek Stevenson, uh, for example, played 586 snaps, 10 missed tackles, 17.2 missed tackle percentage. DJ Ivy, um, five missed tackles on the year, 450 snaps played, 15.6 missed tackle percentage. Marcus Clark, 265 defensive snaps, three missed tackles, 11.5 missed tackle percentage. Um, I will say this, right? He does have good bloodlines. His dad played, I think, five years in the NFL, played at Boston College. His dad was also small, right? On the smaller side of being a corner, five foot nine, 188 pounds at the NFL level. And if you're playing corner at that size at the NFL level, you got to be a pretty good tackler. So it's encouraging. I mean, each player is is a different player, uh, even in relate, you know, father and son. Um, but there are some encouraging signs, I think. And I think he's probably a better tackler than you would assume for his size. Now, does that mean he's a good tackler? I'm not going to go that far. Is he an average tackler? Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say, potentially above average. Um, and real quick, thing- just like, just kind of like, just to interject there while you're talking about yeah. dad, like dad was, dad's been at American Heritage. He's been coaching at American Heritage for years and years now. I met him on Friday as well. And, um, you know, I think Daryl Jr. is actually tall, maybe a little bit taller than his dad is. Yeah. So, dude. I mean, I think maybe a, probably 5'10 ish. I mean, I would, I would probably give him that. 
Okay. Um, and but the thing is also just like you know a guy with NFL bloodlines, a guy that's been a defensive coach at American Heritage for a long time. So I feel like in in that aspect, I think he's at least coached up to a certain right. that, like in that way where you know dad has always been around and always taught him the right way to do things. And he was very hands on while he was training too, and just talking to him through certain things. You can tell that he's been very involved in his development and stuff like that. So at least you know he has an NFL guy sort of like you know with him along this way. So I think that is more encouraging in terms of just knowing that he could maybe be, or at least is more willing to tackle in that way. And one thing I think to touch on too, we, we talked about, I think in the last podcast, but he's taking online classes, right. And kind of just training in South Florida right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and then I would assume maybe enroll summer a, so May ish. Yeah. Um, when I looked at the advanced stats too on Daryl Porter, uh, one thing that was interesting that stuck out was West Virginia played a lot of zone coverage. It was, I would say 90, 80 to 90% of Daryl Porter's coverage snaps were in zone. Um, so, you know, I don't know what that means in terms of what type of defense Miami's going to play. I think, uh, ideally, Kevin Steele wants to be heavy man coverage, um, but every coordinator is going to tailor their coverage schemes to their personnel. So um, that's something to keep an eye on. Let's just let's just have the conversation here. Do you think? I think you're you're kind of already hinting at no, but I just want to straight up ask: Do you think? You know, assuming there's no other transfer additions at corner, do you do you think Porter starts opposite of Tyreek Stevenson as an outside corner in 2022? I don't know. I mean, I think he can, but I, I would probably lean no just him being a summer addition and all that stuff. I'm not sure how quickly he sort of, you know, kind of picks everything up or whatever, just without having a spring ball, he's not going to have a spring ball period. You know, he's not, it's not like he's going to be like in another college, you know, whole thing doing the whole spring ball thing. So he's just going to be doing everything on his own. And, you know, I don't know, maybe that sets people back. Mario Crispo talked about the importance of the, the fourth quarter program. And he's never seen anyone, you know, do a ton during the fall without doing the fourth quarter program or, you know, that type of stuff. So I'm just curious if he can just sort of get on campus in summer and win a starting job by, you know, September or whatever it is, maybe, but, um, who you would know, you I, predict at this point? And again, it's a way early prediction. Yeah. I'm just curious. Who would you put? Who would I put there? I don't know. Cause I think I would, and I'm not like, yeah. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm like super high on Daryl Porter Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just compare them to me. Honestly, I think it's going to be a competition again, if there's no other additions via the portal. I think it'll be a competition between him and Marcus Clark. I think um, that's fair. I, I mean, I could, I don't hate Marcus Clark, but again, I, I think we've got probably small got to sample, see more. small yeah, sample exactly. size. So uh, again, you, you mentioned at the top, right? That this is a depth addition. I agree with that. I think it could end up being a starter though, a starter addition, yeah. but okay. Uh, do you think, this solves their issues at corner in 2022 or should they explore other options if more pop in the portal? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I could see it. I could, I mean, I think he's quality depth. I think he's someone that definitely like makes the room better. Um, 
I don't know, man, because, you know, I'm kind of encouraged by, you know, them getting Chris Graves. And I know he's getting in in the summer and, yes. you know, he still has a, a ways to go. But I think he's someone, you know, we saw Marcus Clark sort of come on, on at the end, like tail end of last year. I think Chris Graves is someone that can potentially maybe as the year goes on, maybe start to help. You know, they, we saw him in person. I know he can cover. I know he has a confidence that, that comes with, you know, kind of needing to play corner. I think he's someone that could potentially help. I mean, Jaden Harris has a, I mean, we saw him in person. David, did you yeah. see him in person? Yeah. I think he has a really good body, you know, like I think he comes he in, does. I think he kind of checks in a, a lot of the boxes, you know, uh, I know he got a bump to like an 89, you know, in that final ranking for the class of 2022. I mean, I could be potentially convinced that maybe tail end of his first year, maybe he's helping out too. I would maybe just go get an, if you can, maybe go get another guy, depending on who it is that shows up. But, you know, if this was the group they rolled into 2022 with, I wouldn't like totally love it. But I do think it would be better than what they had last year, considering, you know, all those guys are coming back. Hopefully with the new coaching, it's all a little bit different, you know, and all that good stuff. So um, I could kind of go either way. I could probably be convinced either way. But I mean, I could be fine with it, too, with how it is now. I think, too, Porter could also kick inside, play nickel as well. Right. So let's say Marcus Clark is the opposite starter of Tyreek on the outside. Daryl Porter maybe is your nickel corner. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I I like the addition. One other reason to like the addition, too, I think, in this transfer portal era. um, And again, we're not like predicting anything or or saying anything's going on. But we got to keep it real and and discuss a real connection to Daryl Porter. And that is his half brother. Explain that situation, Gabby. Yeah, um, you know, Daryl Porter's half-brother is Marvin Jones Jr., who just signed with Georgia at a plantation, American Heritage. Um, I mean, not saying any – I mean, it's just – you have to understand with the transfer portal portal era, it's a good connection to have. You know, like Miami, yeah. it does have, you know, Marvin Jones Jr.'s half-brother on the roster. And, again, he just signed with Georgia. Georgia just won a national championship, not predicting anything. But I, th- I do think it's notable. Again, we've seen this trend, right, all across college football where – people are transferring and going back to where they're from. I know LSU had a couple guys that they brought in via the transfer portal. that are all Louisiana born guys, Miami. We saw it. I think what, I guess it's five of the six um, are from South Florida. Uh, You know, so things like that happen just over the course of a college career. And, you know, Georgia is going to recruit top guys and then more top guys and more top guys. And, you know, not saying it will happen, but, you know, let's say down the road, let's say Marvin Jones, you decided, Hey, you know what? Jamel Day is, or Adai, uh, you know, he's the one that recruited me to Georgia. You know, Dan Lanning is not there anymore. Maybe, you know what, this might not be where I want to be. You know, Miami, I think, becomes a more intriguing option just with, again, with the day here and with, you know, a guy like, you know, his half-brother, um, Daryl Porter Jr. in South Florida as home. well. So And yeah. it's home. So, um, again, not making any predictions or, or, you know, hinting at anything, but I do think it's notable that he has a, he has pretty impressive, a pretty impressive blood relative. And, and Jamal Adai, of course, coached Daryl Porter Jr. at West Virginia yeah. before he or he recruited him there before yeah. he went to Georgia last year. Um, so just interesting connections uh, to keep an eye on, I guess, uh, during Marvin Jones' career at Georgia. Let's transition to coaching staff uh, filling out, question mark. Um, yeah. One week later, still two open spots. Um, defensive end seems like they're zero. They're definitely zeroing in on defensive end for defense. 
and then they haven't officially named a tight ends coach. Um, let's start there. Tight ends coach. Uh, we're not like predicting this, but kind of the buzz we both hear is Stephen Field probably gets retained in that role. Fair to say. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the latest I heard on tight ends and all that stuff was that Stephen Field was more most likely to to retain that. Um, you know, I'm just kind of asking questions around, and it's like, you know, we got two spots left, and like, oh, we got one spot left. We got defensive ends left. I was like, okay. So I mean, it sounds yeah. like I mean, it just sounds like everything's trending towards Stephen Field being retained as a tight ends coach. So defensive ends, uh, we know we know some names. How about you just go through it real quick, Gabby, just the names we know, and I'm sure there's others we don't know, but let's just quickly list off the names we know. Yeah, um, so on Friday, I know uh, at least three people interviewed uh, for the defensive ends coach job. Uh, the first one I heard is Jeremy Hawkins. He, was, he is the defensive lines coach at Eastern Kentucky, so a small school guy, uh, just 35 years old, so pretty young. He spent some time. Uh, on LSU staff, I think Ed Odron staff in 2018 um, as an assistant director of player personnel. So he has a recruiting background, a guy that, you know, I think, I mean, just kind of scrolling through his social media, I guess, I don't know if he credits himself or if he gets credit, but he kind of has Joe Burrow on his graphic as a guy that he recruited. Um, maybe he's the guy that said, Hey, maybe we should take a shot on this quarterback uh, who really knows there, but you know, definitely a guy that worked in the personnel department at LSU um, so that's an interesting name again, young guy that, you know, could be an intriguing option that is interviewing for the job, you know, basically a week before spring ball starts. Um, a second name that I know interviewed Ryan Smith, he's the co-defensive coordinator at, uh, Florida A&M, and he was a quality control coach at Alabama in 2015. And then I think he spent a few years on Florida staff in an assistant director of player personnel role under Jim McElwain, I believe. So, you know, again, two guys with, uh, with experience in the SEC in the, in the, you know, aspect of talent acquisition. Again, that is what Mario Cristobal wants to do, the whole recruiting thing. Um, so those guys have a ton of experience with, you know, identifying and sort of going after big-time talent for those two programs. Uh, the third name that I heard is, uh, you know, former UM All-American Kevin Patrick, a name that I'm sure a lot of Miami fans are pretty familiar with. Uh, he's been the defensive line coach at FAU for the past few years. He's also made stops at USF, uh, North Texas, Texas Tech, and NC State. Uh, some of the guys he gets sort of credits for coaching up and developing, Jason Pierre-Paul, who was a first-rounder um, out of USF on those really good teams. Pretty sure he was he, – they beat Miami. It was Jason Pierre-Paul on that team that beat Miami at at uh, Hard Rock Stadium or Landshark or whatever it was that year. That, I don't I remember don't if he was on that remember. team. I don't I know think they, so. But I know they got really, really ranked really high one year. I think they got up to like number two in the, in yes. the polls or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think Jason Pierre-Paul was on that team. So that's when uh, Kevin Patrick was there. At NC State, um, the defensive – like I think every player he coached on the defensive line in that 2018 team, I think each, all four of them ended up getting drafted. And the main one was Bradley Chubb, who right. went fifth overall to the Denver Broncos that year. And he was like, you know, an All-American, first team All-ACC, all that good stuff. So – Definitely has a reputation as a big time uh, defensive lines coach. That's you former know, teammate, up a lot. right? Yeah, and uh, Mario Cristobal's former teammate. So, um, you know, that thing I think that's super notable. Won a couple of national championships at Miami. So those are three names we know, and um, you know, nothing. Jason Taylor would be another yeah, one. Jason you know. Taylor, I think, is potential. I mean, kind of 
getting some just kind of just checking in with some people. I mean, it does. I, I do think I guess there's a chance that he could come in an off field role. Um, you know, I guess just sort of just talking to someone at Miami, it sounds like he has some things personally that are going that he wants to do, too. I know he just had a baby also so maybe an off-field role could be better suited for what he wants to do i don't think anything's done there but it just it does sound like there's some mutual interest there so um that's definitely something to be aware of just you know throughout you the next few days because todd stroud is still around right yeah. he coached defensive line one year or two years i forget at under manny um do you think he gets a look at all or or not yeah, I don't know. Um, at one point in the process, I feel like, you know, there was someone that maybe tossed his name out there, like maybe he should get a look. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that Miami's seriously exploring. Uh, he is in the building, and it seems like he's still been around. We, I mean, he was out recruiting for Miami in January, like on the road in Alabama, where like Tamorian Parker is and a couple guys like that, where it's just like, you know, big-time targets, you know, big-time dudes that are generating a ton of interest. So, uh, Mario Cristobal sent him out there. I'm not sure if that's the if he is the answer, but I guess he could be um, an option in house where you wouldn't have to go too far to to find someone. And you know, obviously, has a lot of familiarity with the roster and and things like that. So uh, potentially, uh, he is a name that was floated out to me at one point. So who knows at this point? I I really don't know. Yeah, if he's still an and option. I'm I'm sure there's more names that uh, we don't know, right? Quite frankly, that are interviewing, etc or that they're looking at if you were, and again, we're not predicting, but if you were going to handicap these guys that you named being the defensive ends coach uh, on paper, I would go Kevin Patrick as being the favorite. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, just sort of talking to people, it sounds like, you know, this Miami job is always one that Kevin Patrick wanted. Um, I do think it's pretty notable that FAU had a staff meeting on, I think it was Sunday, maybe it was, Friday, it was, it was Saturday or Sunday. I think it was Saturday. I don't know. It was one, it was some, at some point over this weekend after, um, you know, Kevin Patrick had interviewed for the Miami job. Um, and Kevin Patrick was in the building at FAU. Like he was at the staff meeting. So, you know, it wasn't like a meeting to tell the staff that Kevin Patrick was moving on or anything like that. So as of now, it sounds like he's still with the owls. Um, I think things can obviously change over the course of the week. We can't, I mean, Frank Ponce was, you know, he coached a Appalachian state spring practice before, you know, he took, he accepted the job at Miami as a quarterback's coach. So I'm not sure that's any clear indicator, which way that's going, right. but, um, I do think that might be just wor worth pointing out. All right. So let's take a break. Um, again, two more coaches to officially announce. We assume they'll do it before the start of spring ball, which is a week away. Um, and we'll be here to talk about those announcements. But uh, what we do know is recruiting is about to ramp up here in the month of March. And after this break, we will discuss some of the, some of the names you guys need to know during the month of March. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we are back. Gabby, recruits can start getting on campus, spending time with staffs here in March. Um, So it's a time I'm sure Mario Cristobal is looking forward to uh, because – February is essentially a dead period um, after signing day. So uh, coaches get to recharge, go on vacations in February, and then it is full go again in the month of March. Um, And there's already a a good list of names planning to make their way down um, in the month of March. You've kind of mentioned it's just going to be like a revolving door philosophy. Yeah they're not going to have like an elite prospect day um, situation in March necessarily. Um, But there's, there's a growing list of impressive guys visiting. Let's start because spring quarterbacks in general uh, commit earlier in the process compared to other positions. Um, So the spring is a key time for quarterback recruiting. Um, so let's start there. Who are a couple quarterback names to know that plan to visit Miami sometime in March? Yeah, there's two quarterbacks. No, neither one have, have an offer yet, but two quarterbacks who have already set dates to visit Miami. The first one is Mac Howard. He's out of, I think it's Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, won a state title last year. You know, put up a put a pre- pretty big time numbers, honestly, over there. And, uh, you know, also a, a state basketball player. You know, guy that he, I think he was leading his team to states the last time that, that me and him had spoke. So, you know, I think that he's definitely a name to know. He's going to be in Miami March 7th. So that's the first day of spring practice. So a week from Monday, which is when we're recording this podcast. Um, definitely a name to know there. Uh, another name that's visiting just a few days later is Marcus Stokes, who's a guy we've talked about this on this podcast before. He's out of Pont Vedra Beach in like, I guess that's like the Jacksonville area. Yeah, um, Nice High so, School. Yeah, Nice High School. Um, he's going to be at Miami March 11th. So two signal callers that are going to be, you know, in Coral Gables, you know, throughout the, the, the month of March. I think there's, I mean, just one other guy to maybe keep an eye on is Dante Moore, the five-star out of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, he was in Miami for elite prospect day, but he is also coming to Fort Lauderdale to start a bus tour um, with like football hotbed that they're going to go see a couple schools across the Southeast um, so he is going to be in South Florida. I, yeah. you know, haven't gotten a ton of clarity on whether he's actually going to stop by Miami while he's down or if he's just kind of landing, hopping on a bus and going. So um, that could be a situation to sort of monitor too, as you know, maybe we get a little bit closer to that. I'm curious. And I, and I would assume it's a collaborative effort with Mario Gaddis and Ponce. But do you get a sense for if any one of those guys in particular is driving the bus on quarterback recruiting right now? Yeah, I mean, just talking to a lot of these guys, it seems like it's kind of starting with Ponce. It seems like Ponce is the one that's sort of, you know, having these conversations, talking with a lot of these guys. 
uh, at least initiating the conversations before, and maybe it could be just while they're doing evaluations. And then right. maybe, you know, if it gets to the point where Jack, where Gaddis needs to get involved and they're having serious discussions, uh, maybe that's what's happening next. Or even, you know, with Mario Cristobal getting involved, because we know he will. So maybe yes. Ponce is sort of going through, you know, the guys that he thinks maybe have a chance. And then, you know, it's about getting them on campus, maybe eyeing them, you know, sizing them up, all those good things. And, you know, doing whatever they can with them during this month of March where they are able to get them, you know, spend some time with them and things like that. So it seems to me like Frank Ponce is the one sort of maybe the er, making these initial evaluations and then they're sort of going through the process. They're obviously offering a lot of the elite guys. They just offered uh, Jaden Rashada out of, uh, I think it's Pittsburgh, right. California. So another five-star guy. They offered Texas A&M commit Eli Rothstein, uh, you know, the other, I think it was last weekend, um, not this past weekend, the weekend before that. So, you know, they're still going after and offering all the big time guys, but it does seem like, you know, they are going through these evaluations and that's where I feel like maybe Ponce is, you know, really dig, you know, diving in there. Let's uh, pivot to a five-star plans to visit, I believe this weekend, uh, yeah. defensive lineman out of Texas. Who do we, who is it? And what do we know, need to know about him? Yeah, a uh, guy that's been to Miami before, that's five-star defensive lineman David Hicks. He's out of Allen, Texas, that, you know, big powerhouse program out there with like the $60 million football stadium. Uh, he's making his way back to Miami. He told, well, his father told Steve Wilfong uh, the first weekend of March, so this could potentially be a multi-day visit. That's big. He did, again, he, he was at Miami last summer for Paradise Camp, uh, you know, was awesome at the camp, you know, just really just kind of dominated one-on-ones and all that stuff. Um, so I think it's good that he's making a return visit. Uh, again, you kind of follow the visits and all this thing. Yes, you know, Texas A&M is going to be a huge factor in this, Oklahoma as well. Right. But him, them making the effort to get down to Miami shows that there is probably some pretty legitimate interest. So I think that that's a good sign there. 6'4", 250. Uh, I think his film, he, he, he projects as an interior guy. But yeah. um, definitely a guy that makes plays on the inside, wreaks havoc there. Um, Nice little swim move for the high school level. Uh, let's go to an offensive lineman, Antonio Tripp, who is a four-star guy out of McDonough School in Maryland. Um, probably an interior offensive lineman, but when is he going to visit in March, and what do we need to know there? Yeah, um, he. I was actually just you know sending him a message you know right before we hopped on here just to make sure that all that was still on. He had tweeted it a little while ago that he was coming on March fifth. I think that he told me that that's still the plan. So you know he's another offensive lineman, interior guy that that'll be on campus uh, you know this coming week. Uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, again, Miami's not doing a big junior day or anything like that. It is going to be that revolving door type. So you know, it's a good chance for them to be more intimate with guys like this. I think it'll be a good chance right. for. You know, they've already had a lot of big-time offensive linemen sort of on campus and stuff like that. So, you know, him being from Maryland, the DMV area, um, I think it'll be a good chance for them to sort of evaluate him a little bit further and see if he's a guy that they're going to, you know, continue to pursue, you know, at a high level to see if they want him to sort of be on board in this class. Let's discuss now. Let's just group them together because there are three local guys. But uh, people who listen to this podcast are probably pretty familiar with the names. Five-star wide receiver Jalen Brown at a Gulliver Prep. Uh, four-star defensive lineman Ruben Bain at a Miami Central. And then four-star wide receiver Robbie Washington out of Miami Killian. Um, why did you want to highlight those guys? Yeah, um, I mean, just I was talking with – I was 
texting with Ruben Bain last night and early this morning. And he said that he doesn't have like a date or anything set up, but it sounds like he's going to be in Miami uh, at Miami, probably not this coming week, but maybe the week after. I think a, a few guys from South Florida are going to be in Florida state this weekend. So it sounds like he might become next week once spring practice starts. Um, so I mean, that, that's a really big deal. I mean, obviously I, I know we've pounded the table on the connections and between, you know, his brother, Reggie Bain and, you know, potentially Roland Smith and, you know, all the other good things that are going on, uh, you know, with the central pipeline to Coral Gables. So he's obviously a big time target. So good to get him on campus. Uh, Jalen Brown is going to be on campus on Wednesday, I believe, um, just to kind of go hang out. They haven't really met, seen Josh Gaddis since he's been at Miami because everything's been sort of closed throughout that whole time. So now that things open up, uh, I think it's a chance for them to just go swing by, say what's up. Probably won't be anything fancy or anything like that. Yeah. But as a guy that's been, you know, around the program so much at this point, um, you know, just kind of a, it's kind of good that he can just swing by and just, you know, say right. what's up to all those guys. So uh, Jalen Brown will be on campus. You know, someone at Miami was expecting Robbie Washington. in at some point this week, I was talking to him and, um, you know, it sounds like he's going to set something up with Miami. I don't know if anything's been officially set up yet, but it sounds like him and his brother, his twin brother, Bobby Washington, are are working towards, you know, make, setting something up where they can swing by. I know they're going to be at Florida State this weekend as well. So Jalen, he ran th- this weekend. Did he run the fastest 200 meter time yeah. in the country? Yeah, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Twenty-one something, I think. Yeah, was, he that it was like I guess it was like the fastest outdoor to, uh, right. two hundred meter time or, or it's something early, like that. But it's super early yeah. speed. Uh, yeah. And then Robbie and Bobby are they still planning to commit at some point in March? Yeah, I mean that's it. Sounds like that's the plan, but you know I think that this is a. I mean, David, we heard the first time we heard about Robbie Washington, we were just like, who in the world is this kid? He just committed to right. Miami. We don't know what's going on here. And then he like tried to recommit to Miami and it was still like, wait, what in the world's going on here? And then we finally like met him and like, okay, this guy is, you know, he's good, all that stuff. I think everyone kind of saw him and real, like, you know, put a face to a name and all those things. And so I, I just get the sense that this recruitment could go, you know, multiple different directions before national signing day or the early signing period or whenever it is okay. he chooses to do that. So yeah, maybe he does decide to move forward and, make a commitment in March, but if it's to Miami, if it's not to Miami, I don't think this recruitment's over. I know he's going to go take a couple of visits here. And um, so we'll, we'll sort of see how this, how this plays out here over the next few weeks. Other guy you wanted to highlight was four-star offensive lineman Monroe Freeling out of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, offensive tackle, six, seven, two ninety. Um, do you know when he's going to visit in March? Yeah, I'm not sure of, the, of an exact date. It sounds like it's going to be sometime in late March. Um, you know, just sort of talk. I think I, I spoke to him on the phone last month and he was, he told me like, you know, Miami's like a non-negotiable for him. Like he needs to go see Miami before he decides on what he wants to do. I think Notre Dame and Clemson are a couple of schools in a good spot. I know Ohio State uh, just offered, I believe, too. So, um, you know, plenty of schools all over the country, um, you know, definitely want to want to get Monroe Freeling on campus. I know Miami's one of the ones that, you know, he's seriously considering he had a really good relationship with Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal dating back to their time at Oregon. So getting back to Miami is something that's really important to him. He's going to do that sometime in, in late March. And then Madden Sanker is a yeah. four-star top 100 offensive lineman out of South Paulding High School in Douglasville, Georgia. Um, what's the situation there? Yeah. I mean, state championship wrestler. I think he just, he just finished winning a state title in wrestling, uh, interior guy, 
Um, I think he got invited to the Future 50 at the Under Armour All-American camp in Atlanta this past weekend. Um, you know, someone that, you know, Georgia really likes could be a tough pull out of the Peach State, but uh, definitely a guy that Mar that Mar Alex Mirabal and Mario Cristobal offered early on in their tenure, you know, shortly after, after coming from Oregon and taking the job here. Uh, Madden Sanker was one of the first guys that they pulled the trigger and offered. So, um, you know, I think it's, I do think it's notable that he's going to come down and check out Miami. Um, so guess kind of got to wait and see how that goes, but that's another big time interior lineman that they like. All right. So that was a good taste of some of the guys that are going to visit in March. Gabby's currently working on compiling a list of more names, um, to expect in March. And that list is going to grow throughout the month. So would recommend jumping on board VIP subscription. If you aren't already a subscriber, we appreciate everyone who does support us in that way. Um, let's end the podcast here on this, Gabby. What are the chances you think Miami lands a commitment in March? A commitment? Um, I may, I, I mean, if I'm, maybe like 51, 49, yes. I could, see, okay. I could definitely see them picking up a commitment in March. I just think it's, this is a time where things typically start to pick up. You know, right. now that guys are going to be able to get to multiple stops and all that stuff, I know that there's a couple prospects that, are sort of even just maybe even potentially just doing their due diligence right now, like going and seeing a few schools just to make sure that maybe even Miami is where they want to be. Like, you know, kind of feeling that way right now, like kind of, you know, the hunch that like, I think I want to be at Miami, but you know, maybe it's probably best if I just go check out some of these other schools. And by the time I do, you know, I'll know that Miami is maybe the best place for me. So um, March, maybe late March, uh, April, I could see guys April, potentially definitely. starting to hop and hop on board. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. April is probably more of the commitment month, but I bet they do land. I bet, and I'm, I don't know who at this point, yeah. but I bet they snag at least, you know, at one commitment in the month of March. I could definitely see that. All right. So appreciate everyone, you guys listening. Um, again, we'll, we'll record another podcast on Wednesday. We'll kind of do a deep dive into spring football on the offensive side. Uh, that podcast, then Friday, we will do a defensive version of that dive. So uh, appreciate everyone listening. And until next time, take care. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.